You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. God is doing something, huh? You can feel it in the air. You can feel the faith and the expectation. Yeah, so Pastor Samuel said if I didn't 10x my beard, I couldn't come up and speak. So that's, that's what this is coming from. Um, I'm just going to pray real quick, and I'm going to get right into it. But Father God, I thank you for doing a new thing here. God, I thank you for preparing every heart in this room, God, and just filling us with your Holy Spirit. God, that every word spoken today falls on fertile ground and yields such a generous reward, 100x, God. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this place, and we just bless everyone in this room. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I got a prophetic word recently that uh, when I am the most vulnerable, I'm actually the most safe. So I'm going to be very safe right now. <laughs> um, I'm going to share my testimony because a lot of you aren't aware of it. And I'm going to link it to um, a passage in the Bible where uh, Paul gets shipwrecked, you know, as one does. Um, <laughs> like 30 times Paul got shipwrecked, by the way. I don't know. I don't want, I don't, Paul's anointing is great, but I don't want to get shipwrecked 30 times. Um, I feel like I may have already, so we got that out of the way early. So that's kind of what my story is about, because I stand here now like as an Emerge Captain, Connect Director, and like it looks all great, but my wife always says like share the smoke, right? Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they came out not smelling of smoke, but they still told the story of what happened so that God would be glorified through it. And, and for a long time, I withheld my testimony because it was scary and, and vulnerable and, and it didn't necessarily feel super good to share. But the first time I shared it at a men's prayer, like I felt power release. And I was like, oh, I'm actually robbing people by not being honest and vulnerable with what God has done with my life. So I, I struggled with uh, drugs and alcohol for, for about 15 years. Uh, really, really nasty. You know, I've been 135 pounds at my same height. I've been um, in, a, I've been in a prison cell. I've been in rehabs. I've been in a mental hospital. And I came to this church like very, very broken, very broken. And I wish I could say, hey, I came into these walls and Jesus just removed it in a second. But that's just not my story. It took about a year of, of showing up and, and coming to men's prayer, even hungover, and, and just coming in and dragging myself in here because I, I just, I needed it to happen. I needed breakthrough desperately, and I was unwilling to not get it. I had to. I had to get it. And in that year, I, I was so um, ready for God to move, but only on my terms. I, I wanted him to move so bad, but I said, God, just take this from me. Take this cup from me, but not your will be done. Just do it on my terms. Take it from me. Don't let anyone see it. I literally would have rather died than to show anyone that I had any weakness in my life. And, and that's what almost happened. I, um, you know, in 2020, COVID hit, and I was already dealing with a lot of isolation, and then um, everything closed. And a lot of things happened and long story short, I withdrew hard. And the drinking got worse, the drugs got worse, everything got so much worse. And in the darkest time, I tried to overdose. While, while attending church, this was not before, while attending church. So 
But I, again, I, I literally, I, could, I did not want to let anyone else in until I reached out in that moment and um, asked for help. And Dr. Matt answered his phone, first of all, which is a miracle. <laughs> like, if we, that's, that's a miracle. But, um, and, and I got, you know, I got, I got saved basically in handcuffs and I got taken to, to a hospital and I got taken to a place where I could get help. And in a place, in a mental hospital where, you know, you'd think there'd be the most chaos and the most unrest in my heart, I felt the most peace. Because finally, I was willing, I was like, okay, God, like, <laughs> this is literally the best I could do without fully surrendering to you. Like, in church, doing all the right things, like, ticking all the boxes, like, going to prayer, serving, um, worshiping my face off, like all these things, but I was still not fully yielded to him. And that was the best that it got me. But I had this great peace that came upon me because I knew I was like, okay, God, it's all you. I'm all in. You have to do it. It can't get worse. It can only get better. And this overwhelming peace came over me. So I'm going to read now that I've left you guys on a cliffhanger. Um, this is in Acts 27, 9. So Paul had just told these sailors, he's getting on a ship. He's like, if you guys go on the ship right now, you're going to get shipwrecked. And they didn't listen. And I think of how much of my story is like that, where, where God told me, like, if you do this, it's not going to go well with you. And I'm like, uh, ah, okay. <laughs> and surprise, it, it didn't go well with me. Like over and over and over again, you read Old to New Testament. He says, do, obey me and obey my commands and it will go well with you. Don't and it won't. And I still chose the don't, and you won't. Um, so it says, Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now over, dangerous because the fast was over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this village will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship by the things he had spoken. Watch out who you're surrounded by and who's speaking into you. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also. If by any means they could reach the Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest in winter there. Now I'm going to speed through some stuff because we got like four minutes left. But basically when they're on board and, and they've already not listened to Paul and they've already done uh, basically everything against his advisement, he finally says, he's like, okay. You guys have basically one last chance. And at this point, they're listening. At this point, they're in that place. They're in the mental hospital. They're listening. They're like, okay, God, like, it didn't work well when I didn't listen. I'm going to work well. And Paul says something really, really um, surprising and like contrary to what the world would say or what anyone else would say. He said, um, the men must stay with the ship. You must cut the ropes and let the lifeboat go. And like we skim over that, I skimmed over that for a long time, but he literally says, if you want to live and you want things to go well with you, you need to cut out your plan B. You need to cut the ropes of the lifeboat and go full send. And that's finally what I did, is I cut the life ropes. I let the lifeboat go and I went all in on Jesus all in, nothing held back. The one thing that I didn't want to do is I was like, okay, God, anyway, but just don't take me through a 12-step program. <laughs> so guess what he did? <laughs> so uh, Pastor Matt linked me up with Pastor Morgan. Um, 
and he brought me to Awaken Recovery, which immediately surrounded me with people, which are the people I, would, like, I didn't want to avoid. You know? And I was like, okay, God, I would stand on my head for a year right now if you wanted me to, so I will do this. Um, and he, I, he brought me through that, and we went through the workshop. Three months later, I met um, Corey. Um, yeah. Um, I proposed to her four months later. We had a ring provided for us miraculously. That's like a beautiful ring that like was a huge God story. The first place that we moved into was uh, our own home that we owned. Uh, another, another huge God story. Um, we, the, the, the guy who was the least likely to interact with people is now your connect director. <laughs> So if anyone tells you that God doesn't have a sense of humor, they don't know God. Um, but it's just, it's, you know, the only thing that I've ever done from that one moment in that mental hospital is go, okay, God, I can't do this. You have to. It has to be all you. I'll do whatever you say. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do, but it's got to be all you. You've got to do this. And that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. And I mean, this is, it's not, it's not a short amount of, it's a short amount of time this has happened. Your whole life can turn around in, in a moment if you cut the ropes and go full send in Jesus. So thank you. Oh, and we got Troy the legend coming up. Throwing lefts and rights. And let's give it up for Ryan, huh? Who loves Ryan? Come on. Hey, man. Um, one of the things that's so special about this house um, is the mantle of leadership that we get to fall under. Like, we get raised up and discipled as leaders, but it's only because we have such excellent leaders. Um, I want to honor Pastor Samuel and Katie. Like, man, for me, for me to even be up on this stage, if, like, you knew me from my past, this is the most ridiculous thing, like, ever. This is a God story in itself. Um, and, and Ryan as well. Like, um, his story and vulnerability and what you walked through he took me through our Awaken Recovery 12-step program. You know, he walked me through the whole thing. So had you not gone through it, I wouldn't have been able to go through it. And that's just incredible, man. Just incredible. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people um, would, would look at me and think like the the rough, the strength, the warrior, gets in the cage, fights, does all that stuff. Um, and the first verse I'm preaching out of is in Ephesians 6. And if you go to Ephesians 6, you're like, oh, okay, the warrior is preaching out of spiritual warfare. What a shocker. <laughs> um, but the first verse I have um, is Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Um, Dad, could you just stand up for a second? <laughs> <laughs> I 
when when my life was a mess before I was saved um, and and was doing drugs and running around and and living in all sorts of wild and craziness, um, there was about a three and a half year season where there was a lot of dishonor and a lot of cursing and a lot of things that I said. Um, that that I just want to release blessing over you guys, like the both of you. Like I'm I'm incredibly like sorry and apologetic, um, um, and I just want favor on your guys' life and and nothing but the best. So I I release all that honor to you guys. Thank you. You know, and and for anybody else in the room, it's such such the heart of God to restore the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Um, and, and as we walk through Emerge, like as much as it's the raw, like just, uh, I got a story of high energy, intensity, all of that stuff um, from Emerge. But for those dads or those kids that their dads aren't, aren't going, the bonds and the connections and the healing the, um, that happens at Emerge is one of the most potent things ever. Like. As, as, as great as it is to get on stage, rah, the, the, the roaring, it's also like the, all the eye sweats. All the eye sweats that emerge for men that are in, you know, doing really physical stuff. Um, so I wanted to share a bit about my testimony around Emerge last year. Um, and so for those who don't know, um, I used, used to play baseball at a very high level, um, had a professional career um, that got short, that got cut short via injury. Um, and it just never really came to fruition. It was like a dream that really just died. Um, losing everything really led me to the Lord, um, and, and in my brokenness, he found me um, and, and caused, again, a lot, of, a lot of things needed to be repaired and all of that time. Um, but anyway, so I, I bought a ticket to Emerge. I was maybe only four or five months like into the church. I was plugged in, going to men's prayer, serving on a team, but like, yeah, the, like... I had a ticket to conference and I bought two other people's tickets to the conference. Like I was in and then um, the enemy came in and, and for those of you men that are going like this will happen. The enemy will try to throw something at you and give you a reason not to go to emerge. Um, and something that means something to you. It may even look like blessing and provision and something you've really wanted. Um, and at the time I'd been training for over a year um, in, in kickboxing. And like, this was like a, an athletic career transition. Um, the Lord's always had like this warrior mantle or calling on my life. And I was like pursuing it in the physical. Um, and I got presented with the opportunity to go compete in like this, like small, um, not small, but like a, a kickboxing tournament. I was like, oh yeah, like super awesome. And oh yeah, by the way, it's the same week as Emerge. And so like, I chose that because that's what I always did. My entire athletic career, I always chose, okay, athletic stuff or family stuff and community. And we always did athletic stuff. Um, and it led to some great things, but it led to like falling short in the end. Um, you know, at the, at the very end of it. So like the priorities weren't there. So um, there was a moment where I was preparing for the competition. Um, was cutting weight. For those who don't know in the, in, in the fighting world, you like... You get, you're at a certain size and then you cut a bunch of weight at the very end and you're pulling all the water out of your body and it's, it's a really gnarly process. Um, and, and in that moment of cutting weight, there was an issue um, with my paperwork um, for the fight. And like the Lord was totally intervening here. Um, and the coaching staff that I had really like, hey, let's just go, let's push through. And there was this moment, like after just getting out of the sauna, so okay, I don't know, okay, am I just kind of losing it or is the Lord speaking to me? Um, but... 
I get that moment of, uh, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So I feel the Lord in this moment saying, okay, are you willing to like leave everything that like I've worked for, this whole comeback story that I've made for myself, are you willing to leave it all behind, this coaching staff, this like all these relationships, it's the first team I've been on in years, are you willing to leave it all behind, come follow me? Like, I'm like, well, okay, what's my faith about, you know? Like when the Lord poses that question to you, okay, are you really willing to like leave everything that you think is all you've ever worked for behind to come follow him? So I do. And, I, and, and all those relationships got, got broken, but it's because the Lord had a better plan. Um, we were out at Emerge, had the most like radical, transformational, all the different services. Um, the, uh, uh, um, for those who don't know, we carry, they have us like carry uh, two by fours that they're called burdens. So you can write down as much or as little as you want um, on these two by fours. There was not a square inch on my thing that I didn't put on there. I'm like, I am not leaving here because then at the end of the conference, you throw it in the fire. So I throw it in the fire. Um, the burden burns. I wake up the next morning with the most clear, like, it was like, you, you, you ever have, like, your phone, like, fill up with storage? Where oh, you can't take any more videos. You can't take any more photos. So you just got to delete a bunch of stuff. It felt like I just deleted a whole bunch of stuff, and there was, like, room for God to just download new things. Um, and, and before we left, um, Kyle, one of my best friends, um, he had prophesied over me like, hey, you're leaving this all behind. I really feel like um, you're going to meet the coach that you're meant to be with out at Emerge. I'm like, yeah, all right, okay. Like, cool, I received that, but like, it's got to be God. Um, so we're out there after the, after the, uh, the burden burnings. Um, I go and we're praying, and uh, Graham's son, Dean, breaks his arm, and Kyle and I are two of the first ones on the scene, um, and, we're, and we're praying over him. And all of a sudden, I look up, and there's Todd Medina with his phone out, who's like, he fought in UFC 5, like just a legend in the sport. Um, and, and the next Sunday, like, we, I had followed him on social media for years, didn't know he came to the house, anything, and God just, like, set this relationship up. Um, so then I find myself, you know, Todd and I start training, we build this close bond, all of a sudden, we're like in the fight game, but now it's about, like, community, and, and not just community, but, like, like bringing the kingdom into, like, this dark space, you know, this space where, like, God's not usually welcome, and really, um, like, God's into, like, shining the light into dark places, and if you have that calling on your life, if you have past, he'll send you into an area that seems dark to the world, but it's to bring that light into it. Um, and so to kind of kind of wrap it up, I walked away from that kickboxing tournament, went to went went to emerge instead, um, and then the Lord ended up setting up after six or seven months um, this fight in December, where all of a sudden I find myself in the Toyota Arena. There's 12,000 people. It's the stadium's roaring, and we've got a whole section of our awakened emerge men. <laughs> that while I'm in there trading blows with people, they're chanting, open heaven. You're like, what is going on? 
there was a group, there was a group of uh, 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 Mongols, like a biker gang that was sitting on the floor and somebody was like, they just got wrecked, they got saved, they got wholly shaken up. But anyways, um, just to wrap up, like if you, if you have something where you feel like, okay, that's, that's my dream, but you walk away from it for the Lord, he's gonna do so much more. So... Thank you guys. Thank you for this house. God bless you all. Next we got David Lujan, the man. Come on. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Man, love you too, bro. The theme of restoration. Come on. Amen. You guys feeling a theme here? I see a theme through my message that nobody knew about. Uh, but I can hear God speaking loudly to this group. So I'm, I'm honored, one, to follow such two beautiful testimonies, stories of restoration, right? Great communicators, and, and then I have to follow that. Uh, but I do, I do want to take a quick second in front of the whole church just to honor Pastor Samuel. I've watched this process. Just, wait, just one second. Just hear me out. It's important. I've watched this process, you guys, and I appreciate the class, but I want you to just hear this. i watched this process as he's got six people ready for the stage, and he's invested his time, and he met with us after church at Buffalo Wild Wings, and we were there for, we were there for hours, and you know what? That means a lot to me because my time is crunched, right, and, and he, he wasn't at home to put his kids to bed that night, and he, his wife probably went to bed without him, which sounds like it might be okay, but either way, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't want to turn this... Hey, I don't want to turn this into a joke. I'm sorry. But Pastor Samuel, listen, I, you're, you're a great leader, man, and I'm, I'm proud to be here with you, so thank you. Thank you. Love you too, man. Listen, I'm going to have to move quick because they're going to play music on me, so i got to do this fast. Uh, I, I want to talk to us today about an obscure character in the Bible that we labeled, our Bible often calls him Doubting Thomas. And as we look at the life of Doubting Thomas, I find something really important in his life, and that is a lot of parallels, mostly between my story and between some of the stories we've heard today. And in order for me to help you see that, I'm going to walk you through a quick story of who Thomas is in his life. So Thomas uh, probably meets Jesus just like the rest of us. He encounters the man of Jesus, radically changes his life. He abandons his life, goes away from everything he knew, all his old friends, wherever he was at, and he steps into this new life, leaving everything he knew, which is exactly what Kat said, that Peter says when he's talking to the rich young ruler, right? He says, I've got to leave everything. Jesus, we left everything. Jesus is saying, leave everything. If you want to follow him, you basically leave everything. That's the way it works, right? And so uh, Thomas comes on the scene first in Luke 6, right? In Luke 6, Jesus comes down and he says that he prayed for his disciples. Thomas is labeled as a disciple. From that point, 33 or so of the 39 miracles he would have been present for and likely present before that, right? So he's there when he sees the, the paralytic healed. He sees the blind see, the, the deaf hear, the lame walk, right? They lowered the paralytic through the roof. He's there. He's there when the woman touches Jesus's garment. And Jesus says, who was that that touched me? The power left me. And he sees her healed, sees the children raised from the dead, right? He's there for the miracles. He's on the boat when Jesus walks out. And then they say, you know, at another time when the waves, he goes, hey, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? He's there for the whole thing. And he's the quiet guy, which is the dangerous one. He's the quiet dude. <laughs> Right? That's why we don't hear a lot from him, but he's there for the whole thing. Right? He's, uh, he's even there when he goes to a dead man's tomb and he calls a man back to life. 
called Lazarus. He's the first person that proclaims him to be Lord. And so one of the last miracles we see that Thomas is present for is in the garden, right, where Peter, like Peter does, pulls out his sword, cuts off a, a guy's ear, and Jesus is just like, dude, man, he just puts it back on him. He's like, come on. But, but in that moment, they've been ready. They've, I mean, he's a ride-or-die kind of homie, right? So he's, he's like, we're doing this thing, Jesus. Like, we're in. And then Jesus gives himself up. So he's like, I see the plot. Okay, guys, I see where this is going because this is the dude that walks on water, right? This is God. If he gave himself up, it's all about to go down. This is what we've been prepping for. And you guys know the story. Jesus goes, he's tried, he's beaten, he's flogged with a cat of nine tails, and, and all of a sudden this, this narrative starts to change. Now, you know the back half of the story, but he doesn't. Imagine you're in the middle of that story, and he's being beaten. He's watching Jesus' flesh ripped to pieces. He's going, wait, this is the guy who walked on water. I saw him heal flesh, and now his is being taken. Like, I don't understand what's going on. Then he, and then he sees Jesus take his cross and walk up that hill to the top of Golgotha, right, where, he, where he'll be crucified, nailed to the cross. His hands will be nailed to the cross. His feet will be pierced and go straight to that cross. And all of a sudden, he's having this massive faith crisis. And I, and I see this moment so powerfully that that Jesus is up there taking some of his last breaths and you could just hear this exhausted breath, this, <sighs> Jesus could barely breathe as his lungs are collapsing and Thomas down sitting below it, just almost doing the same thing, almost as if he was just sitting there and, and breathing those same breaths of, <sighs> any minute, Jesus, any yeah. minute you're gonna yeah. get up. He's gonna do what he does yeah. any minute now. Yeah. I've been in this moment before where, I fasted for my father-in-law when he got sick with cancer. And I, I had that moment where I fasted for three days, no food, no water, not a drop of liquid. And he died. Yeah. Yeah. I was there when we started our business and we lost our business and we lost our house that we had bought as a young family and my marriage was in shambles and we lost everything. I was there when they repossessed the Tahoe that the Lord told me not to buy. It's true, Ryan. He did say not to buy it. And I watched him drive away with it. I was there when we lived in somebody else's house that the bank had, t had taken back but hadn't really repossessed, and we lived there on food stamps. This is a short 10, 11 years ago. I was there when, when it all seemed like it was falling apart, and maybe you were there too. Maybe you believed for a marriage or a relationship, or maybe you had a business and you were losing it, and maybe, maybe you believed for somebody's healing too, and you lost as well. And so, so we rejoined Thomas in that moment, but this time Jesus takes his last breath, and he says that it's finished. And Thomas gets up and walks away somewhere stuck between yesterday and tomorrow. He's wandering. And he has no clue how he's going to get to where he's going. He's given up everything. He's already walked away from everything. Where does he go from here? This is where the story picks up. You know the story, but he doesn't. Jesus dies on that cross. He goes to, at, into death and he captures and beats sin and death and conquers the grave for our sake so that we could have eternity and, and, and he becomes the sacrifice on our behalf. But Thomas didn't know that. He just knows he's missing. Jesus raises from the dead and we pick the story up. In John 20, 24, the Bible says, but Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprints of the nails and put in my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe what he's saying is I was there when it all fell apart. 
I was there when I watched him take that spear when he took his last breath and he stuck it in his side and blood and water flowed. I watched him die and unless I see him with my own eyes, I won't believe again. And Jesus is faithful as he always has been. In the very next verse, Jesus walks in. It says, John 20, 26, the Bible says, after eight days, his disciples, again, inside with Thomas, with them, Jesus came, the doors have been shut and stood in their midst and said, I love this point right here where he says the door's being shut, as if to say the walls you've put up can't keep me out. The walls that are meant to separate us can't keep me from getting to you. And then he says, Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here with your hand and put into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered to him and said, my Lord, my God, you know, our book, so many of our Bibles call Thomas Doubting Thomas, which for the sake of this message is the lowest you can be in the kingdom. If the toll for eternity is only faith, only that we would believe that Jesus came and died on the cross. If that's the toll, the entry mark, he's slightly below that. Our Bible says this is his worst. Thomas goes from this moment after an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, as if Jesus puts himself on display that says, there's life again after death. You can live again, you can love again, you can believe again, you can run again. Jesus walks in and puts the resurrection on full display. Thomas goes from this place alone, and he leaves that place, and he goes to India, and one of the greatest movements of the, of the Christian faith ever takes place in India. And in such a poetic way, Fox's Book of Martyrs calls him a martyr. He, he dies with the highest title in the kingdom that he gives his life for. And you know that when he died, he died by spear. They thrust a spear through him the same way he saw his savior. His becoming like Christ even unto death was by spear. Now I stand before you today after telling you that they took my car and my house and I lost everything and my marriage was in pieces. I'm here to tell you that if you're stuck somewhere between yesterday and tomorrow, that there's faith. And that's what, that's what the two gentlemen that went before me we're telling you as well is that there's restoration power in the man of Jesus Christ. My, my marriage is healed. My faith is healed. The Lord gave us a home again. We buy, in fact, I have the Tahoe again. I realized that's how I put the message together. He gave us everything back again. Come on. God is a God of restoration and he's faithful. He will not leave you where he found you. And if you feel stuck somewhere in the middle of this process where you feel like you've been through a faith crisis, but you can't stay there any longer than this group of messages from the tithe to right now was for you. And if that's for you and your heart is thumping, would you just stand for a second? I'm gonna pray for you quickly. If you feel like that's you, would you just have a moment? Thank you so much. Come on. God is faithful. He's faithful. If you're close to these people, would you just, anybody that stood, if you're close to them, would you just lay your hands on? Let's pray and gather around them as a church, as a family, as a community. 
Father, we thank you that you are a God of restoration and you are faithful not to leave us where you found us, Lord. I thank you that you sent all of us here to line up messages of your restoration and healing power and that your story is not done in their lives. Father, you're not finished and that you're committed to see this through to the end, Lord. And if it's not done, it's not God, Father. If it's not good, it's not God, Lord. You're gonna move in a mighty way. Pour out your blessing, Father. Give them hope, restore hope and faith in this house. In Jesus' mighty name, he's faithful to do it. Now today, if, if you, you hear this message and, and this, this Jesus that we're talking about, all of this restoration, faith, and hope is new to you, and this isn't something that you've, you've encountered yet, and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, it's a very simple process, and I'd like to invite you to know Jesus as your Savior. The Bible says that if you believe with your heart, confess with your mouth that he is Lord, that you'll be given this eternal life and welcomed into this relationship and this family in the kingdom. And so if that's you today, and you want this encounter with Jesus, this life, this new life and restoration, and you're ready for this walk, would you just raise your hand? We're gonna gather around you and pray for you next. Anybody? I also can't see well, so if your hand's up, I'm gonna pray for you guys anyways, because the lights are on so, so bright. Why don't we stand together, guys? Ladies and gentlemen, let's all stand together. And we're just gonna pray a, a one confession of faith for the house. And then I'm gonna turn the mic back over to Pastor Samuel. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this house and the faith that's in it. I thank you for the individuals here that have come to give their lives to you, Jesus. I pray that you touch and pierce the hearts of everybody here, Father, for those that need you set up encounters. Set up encounters in the name of Jesus, that you would encounter their lives, that testimony would flow, testimony would flow, testimony would flow. I thank you and I honor your holy name, Father, that you're moving in this house right now. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.